Well, hello, everyone. This is Dr. Bob Dixon. I am with my co-host, Mason Nesbitt, and welcome to the TMU Sports Feed. Mason, we have a very special guest with us today. Why don't you introduce him to our audience? Yeah, Bob, there, there are names when you talk about Masters Athletics, there are names, whether it's Mike Penberthy, whether it's Aaron Busher, there are names that kind of jump off the page. And Jerry Owens is one of those names, one of the greatest baseball players in Masters history. Um, a guy who was a wide receiver at UCLA, a first team NAI All-American baseball player at Masters, and then a second round pick of the Montreal Expos who went on to play parts of four seasons in the big leagues with the White Sox. So we are very happy to have Jerry. Thanks. Uh, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me guys. So Jerry, you, you go to UCLA as a highly recruited wide receiver in 1999. How exactly uh, did you end up playing baseball at masters there for two years in 2002 and 2003? Um, yeah, I, uh, well, I guess I, you know, I played baseball growing up uh, from the time I was five um, until uh, I, I should say through my sophomore year of high school. And then um, after my sophomore year of high school, I was, to be honest, I had been playing football in high school and baseball and basketball. And, um, you know, as a 16 year old kid, I, I was getting a lot of attention for football and I, you know, would rather play on Friday nights in front of 10,000 people at COC than Tuesday afternoon in front of nine parents. <laughs> Um, playing baseball, that was just kind of what I was, you know, I, it was, I was kind of getting bored of it, for lack of a better word, bored of baseball, and, and football was more exciting, and I was getting more attention for football, so I decided to kind of focus on that, and, um, you know, was fortunate and blessed to get an opportunity to play at UCLA. Uh, I was at UCLA, and was kind of battling some injuries and things like that, and, um, you know, just to be honest, I was at my apartment, and I was just praying, man. I was like, Lord, why would you bring me you know, all the way on this journey to UCLA to play division one football only to like change my heart about, you know, playing football and maybe wanting to play baseball again. Uh, and of course, you know, he didn't answer that question until about 20 years later, but, um, you know, I just felt kind of a change of heart. And, uh, I have a, a friend, I'm sure you guys are familiar with the name, Kevin Millar. He, um, his his dad actually was kind of talking me into getting back into baseball somehow uh, when I was at UCLA. And so I had, you know, done some pitching in high school and, and you know, coming up in pony baseball. So being left-handed at the time and, you know, the year 2000, 2001, a left-handed pitcher, left-handed pitching was very scarce in professional baseball. Uh, especially now, nowadays, if you throw nine, everyone throws 98, but back then it was like, if you could touch 90, miles an hour as a lefty, you know, you have a chance in pro baseball. So um, just uh, through a lot of prayer and a lot of kind of, you know, getting some family input, um, I just felt like the Lord was was telling me it's time to move on from UCLA. And, and you know, I took that leap. Uh, and to, to be a pitcher, of all things, is, is the main reason I, uh, I wanted to get back into baseball. So how, Jerry, I, I guess, how specifically did you end up at Masters? And obviously you went to, to high school at Hart High School, which is in New Hall, just across the, the street from Masters. How how did that actually play out that you ended up coming to play from Coach Mark yeah. Brooks? Yeah, well, I knew of the school. Uh, like you said, I grew up in the neighborhood, and uh, I was actually a, a ball boy for their basketball team uh, when I was in junior high. And, um, you know, 
just just knew of the school, uh, had, had been around the school. My my dad, my biological father, uh, went to L.A. Baptist back in the early 70s, late 60s, early 70s. His, we share the same name. Uh, he played basketball and ran cross country there, so I had a little tie there. Um, as I was deciding to transfer, I was kind of putting some feelers out. Um, and, you know, I looked into some junior colleges, uh, but was not eligible to go to a junior college because I had already had too many credits, um, academic credits going to a four-year school first. So I kind of ruled those out. And then I, uh, Bud Murray, the former hard high baseball coach, um, when I was at heart was at the time at CSUN. So I called him, uh, you know, I even looked into maybe staying at UCLA and, and walking on the baseball team. Um, and then of course, masters, uh, I drove by and, and wrote a, put a handwritten letter in coach Brooks's mailbox, um, just telling him who I was and kind of what I was, what I was thinking. And he was the first person to get back to me. Uh, and it kind of, you know, kind of just fell into place from there. I, I, I it's crazy the way that the Lord works, uh, <laughs> just the way that he, the journey that he took me on to get to that specific day coach Brooks calling me and asked me to come and, and throw a bullpen for him. Um, after that, like, like, I guess later that day, I got a, a coach from the head, the head coach at Biola. Um, and I know that's like a, um, you know, a bad word on this podcast. <laughs> Biola. Oh no. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, but you know, I got a, a call from them and, and also, and, uh, you know, coach Brooks had already reached out to me and I had already planned to, to throw a bullpen for him and stuff. And so that's kind of how it happened, man. It's just, he was the first one to get back to me and, and was really excited about bringing me on. And, and obviously, you know, I was excited about the opportunity. So Jerry, obviously we, we know you as a, as an outfielder, how, how did you, so you go and throw that bullpen for Monty? How, how did you end up in the outfield? <laughs> um, he might tell a different story, but I remember it like, uh, it was the fall of 2001, um, that, uh, I, I showed up at Masters, enrolled in the fall of 2001. Uh, started throwing, started pitching, you know, during the fall, the fall season. And we had those practice games against some of the local junior colleges around. And uh, I, I remember it as I couldn't throw strikes. Um, I could not find a strike zone, no matter how hard I tried. And he probably put it a little bit nicer, but uh, he, he looked at me one day and was like, "Hey, he's like, why don't you, why don't you go try center field? You know, he's like, you can run." He's like, you'll get to hit also. That's a really cool thing. You know, trying to you know, persuade me um, to maybe not stand on the mound anymore because I wasn't doing anybody any good up there. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, that's kind of how it worked. I, I pitched for maybe a month and a half, if I remember correctly. And then it was kind of like, hey, uh, why don't you go play center field and let's try out there because this isn't working out. <laughs> so so I moved out to center field and, and the rest is history. I uh you know, again, just for, super fortunate for the opportunity to, to put a uniform on, let alone, you know, have Coach Brooks kind of give me opportunities at different spots to, you know, to get me in the lineup. So um, I'm glad that I'm glad that he saw what I didn't see. So obviously it, it did work out pretty well. You hit, what is it, 451 in 2003, first team All-American. What is the biggest way maybe your time at Masters impacted you in terms of baseball? What would you learn in terms of baseball playing under Coach Brooks and, and getting ready to go pro? Um, I think, I mean, I had to relearn the game, uh, you know, and and because when I, I had stopped playing, I mean, I played baseball my entire life up until I was 16, 
and then stopped playing um, the last two years of high school. And then the, the first two, two plus years of college, I did not play baseball. So I kind of had to relearn how to play it. Uh, I'll never forget the very first game I played offense in. Um, I was hitting and I hit a ground ball to the first baseman and he bobbled it and I kind of kicked it away. And instead of running through first base, like you're supposed to do, I like stopped on first base as if you can picture me trying not to like <laughs> let my foot slip off the base, you know, <laughs> like a, you would picture like a little league kid, you know, or like my one year old daughter doing. Um, and I, I mean, I never heard the end of it for my teammates after that, but it was, so I kind of like had to relearn how to play. Uh, I had to relearn all the kind of the little rules and uh, ins and outs of the game. The one thing that Coach Brooks and, and the teammates that, that were there um, that I had, that they really kind of just took me under their wing. And, um, you know, me being this, you know, big, bad Division One football player going to a small NAIA school, um, you know, everybody. I remember Josh Miranda. He was, a, he was a, still one of my best friends to this day. You know, came in and kind of he told me, he's like, man, we used to side eye you. Like, who's this guy? Thinking he's all that, you know. And uh, and so thank goodness that they they were able to, you know, take me under their wing and, and basically reteach me how to play the game. And um, any, everything from like that silly base running play to communicating in the outfield on catching fly balls to, you know, bunting and, and stealing bases. And Coach Brooks had a, an integral part in that. One, one thing that I really, really appreciated from Coach Brooks was that he saw something in me that I didn't see. I mean, it, for me, it was kind of a, a shot in the dark experiment. You know, I'm going to go try to play baseball again. And Coach Brooks really saw me as a baseball player, not just a, an athlete trying to play baseball. And I think that that, that really helped me because he, he taught me, <clears throat> again, retaught me how to play um, and really took the time to do that. It's really hard to do when you have, you know, 30 other players um, and he really took the time to, to, you know, teach me how to play whilst, while, you know, obviously managing the rest of the team and the season and all that. So kind of on the, on the same note, Jerry, what, what were, was maybe the biggest way that your time at masters impacted your walk with Christ? Man, um, that would probably be the, the biggest thing being able to be surrounded by um, surrounded by God, you know, all day, every day, uh, in the place that, that I'm in, you know, going to school, going and, you know, studying the Bible in class, um, uh, with professors and, and classmates, um, just, you know, you're, it's like, you can't get away from the word. And that was probably the biggest impact on me. And I, I, I hope that doesn't sound like a negative thing. It was awesome. Like you just, you can't get away from it. I mean, you, you show up on campus and, um, you know, there's chapel and, and all of your classes or the curriculum is, is Bible based. And, um, and then on the field too, learning how to serve Christ while competing and fighting um, for something that you love to do is another thing that I learned from coach Brooks um, is just, you know, God wants us to compete. He wants us to fight. He wants us to use the gifts that he's given us. To, to bring glory to him. And, um, you know, I think sometimes, you know, one thing that I've seen just in my career and kind of learned is that a lot of people disassociate competition and fight with Jesus. And they think it's, if you're a Christian, you can't be aggressive and you, and you can't, you know what I mean? I, 
if I'm putting that uh, correct, if I'm putting that, that in a way that makes sense, but Coach Brooks really kind of tied those two things together and, um, you know, how to be tough and how to be aggressive and how to, and, you know, how to fight for what you want and, and fight for your teammates all the while bringing glory to God. And I think that that was um, something that I learned just, again, being in the Word 24 hours a day. Uh, you know, I think people sometimes take that for granted because then you get into the real world and you see that, you know, you're, you might be the only Christian in a room of 250 people. Um, conversations are different. You know, topics of conversation are different. Uh, viewpoints are different. Attitudes are different. Um, so when I left Masters, that's the one thing that I remember, like, thinking back on my time there was like, man, I wish I really enjoyed, like, being around, you know, people that, that love Jesus and, you know, on their on a daily basis, um, because it's, it's tough. It's tough to be in the world on our own when, you know, the people that you're rubbing shoulders with every day, um, aren't of the same mind as you, uh, with the same values and, and goals and principles. So, um, I, I took that for granted when I was there. And when I left, I was, I looked back at my time. It's like, that was something that was a huge blessing for me. Now, Jerry, I, I also played for, for money only for two years. And I was also someone who could not throw strikes. Unfortunately, I didn't, you know, transition to another position. But every, everybody who's played for Monty has a Monty story that they can share with people who have played for Monty. And it's just the, the guy, yes, he's tough and he teaches you baseball, but he loves to have fun and he's just, you know, a great guy. Do you have a Monty story that you could you could share? Oh, um, you know, I'm not, I, I'm trying to think, rack my brain, um, one, one, one time, I remember we were playing uh, at home um, there, and the, and this is, it's kind of a short little silly story, but it's like, it's, it's Coach Brooks in a nutshell. He's like, you know, you know, he's very um, animated and he, and he cares, he, he just wears his emotions on his sleeve as far as his, the care for, that he has for his players and for the game of baseball. And so, He's coaching third base, and I don't remember who's hitting, but it was like a high-pressure moment, and, and he's over there like trying to teach whoever – I can't remember who was hitting – trying to teach them how to hit while the at-bat was going on because we needed a hit. So he's over there like doing all the motions and like getting, <laughs> getting the hitter's attention and like, sh- like standing in a batting stance in the third base coach's box, like, like you know, swinging an uh, invisible bat trying to show the, the player how to how to swing at the next pitch. And he comes, he, he gets done, and he knows better. Like, he's like, you know, that's not how we coach, right? You don't coach, like, on the go. You, like, kind of coach, and then you let them do their thing. And he apologized later, but we were all just sitting on the bench watching him cracking up because it's like, hey, it's, it's kind of one of those things where you tap the guy next to you, like, hey, look at Coach, look at him, he's going again, there he goes again, look at him, you know. The, the question is, and, did, uh, did it work? Did he get a hit? I, I don't remember. I think, <laughs> I think I was so caught up in, in the act at third, it was like I didn't even care if he got a hit. I think we were <laughs> highly entertained for those, for those couple minutes. But um, we, he, was, he did that a lot. He did that kind of stuff a lot. And, and I think he just cared so much about his players and so much about our success and wanting us to be, um, you know, have success in the game and, and his love for the game. You know, he's, 
he's one of those guys that you look back, uh, you know, here I'm, I'm almost 40 years old and I, and I look back and I, he's, you know, as a, as a athlete, you have all different kinds of types of coaches in your life and every single one of them makes an impact, whether it's a positive one or a negative one. And coach Brooks is in my top two or three that I've ever had that I don't know where I'd be today without him as not only a baseball coach, but as a, as an example, um, you know, on, on how to follow Jesus and on, as an example of the love that Christ has for us. Um, he's just an outstanding man and outstanding human. I, I miss him like crazy. Actually, we'll text him every couple months just to see how he's doing. So, no, that's great. Yeah, I talked to him on yesterday and he wanted me to pass along that he, he loves you and he thinks you're a special guy. So obviously that that feeling is mutual. Um, Jerry, so you, so you leave Masters um, as a second-round pick of the Expos in 2003, um, make it to the big leagues with the White Sox in 2006. When, when you think about playing in the big leagues, what what comes to mind, you know, all, all these years later? Oh, man, it flew by. Um, <laughs> it, uh, you know, it's, I mean, first of all, I think back at my career and, um, you know, it was, the story, I guess, the journey that the Lord that the Lord took me on to get to that level and that point um, is just an amazing, amazing story. Um, and I, I say that meaning, like, just all of the the way that he he paved the way, all the doors that he opened along the way, and and kind of against improbable odds, and uh, just all the different things that you know the Lord will make happen what he wants to happen in his will and and no matter what you know we believe what our our finite minds want to believe or try to make of things and so that's kind of like when i when i think about it it's just like man it it was just a crazy ride um i got to play against and with uh some incredible players and people um you know guys that i remember Kind of like the little silly things where it's like you walk into the clubhouse and you see the lineup card on the wall and like get ready for the game. And there I am playing center field, hitting leadoff for the Chicago White Sox, and hitting behind me is Jim Tomey and Paul Canerco and Jermaine Dye and AJ Przinsky, and on the mound is Mark Burley. And it's like it's like I grew up watching these guys, you know. Um, and then even more like you know, and who we're we playing? We're playing the Yankees, and we're at Yankee Stadium, and. It's like, you know, uh, I faced Andy Pettit a couple times and Roger Clemens and and um, I'm, I'm dating myself. I realize um, <laughs> all these guys have been retired for 15 years, um, you know, and, and so, you know, you look at the other lineup and it's it's Jeter and Posada and A-Rod and Robinson Cano and Jason Giambi. And it's like, man, I'm I'm in this game like. You know, these are all guys that I admired growing up and watched on TV, being a, a sports fan, baseball fan my entire life. And um, so I think it's it's mostly about the people for me. Um, you know, I hit one career home run in the major leagues and it was off Roy Halladay, you know, and may, may he rest in peace. Um, you know, it just got to play with Ken Griffey Jr. in Chicago in 2008, like my childhood idol. Um you know, I'm playing. I mean, we're in Yankee Stadium at the old, the old Yankee Stadium, and I'm playing left field, and Griffey's playing center, and you know, just just like little things like that is what I remember the most. Mm-hmm. You know, um, 
just the the experience that I had being and playing, like I said, with and against some some of the players that I played with and against, like these guys. I, I I've always been a huge fan of sports, so even even when I was playing it, like I had, you know, I was a fan, um, and it was just really cool to meet some of those guys. And um, you know, I, I just like when I was a, a redshirt freshman in college, my screensaver was Michael Vick. Like he was a year older than me. You know, like, it, but I was a huge fan. And so, we're, but we're the same age, you know, it's kind of weird. But, um, you know, just little things like that, I, I just, I'll never forget. And that was probably the coolest part of it was that I was able to, to be in the same game as some of these, some of these guys that I grew up watching and admiring. And um, here we are doing the same thing, trying to accomplish the same goal, playing at the same level. It was pretty neat. Was there a was there ever a conversation you got to have with with Ken Griffey that that stands out in that in 2008 season when you got to play with him? Yeah, so Griff was first of all he was like a big kid, um, one of the coolest people that I've that I've ever met in the game of baseball. As far as like you know, I mean at this time it's at the end he's you know towards the end of his career and um, you know just he he always told me. Uh, one thing I felt from him was support. Um, being a young player, uh, you know, he, he doesn't have to go out of his way to make sure that I'm comfortable. And he did. Um, you know, he, he asked me, he always asked me if I needed anything. He, he'd always ask me how I was doing. Like, I really felt like he cared about me as a person. Um, and I remember one, one conversation we had, we were actually in New York and we're on the, in the dugout. And I had just, um, messed up a sacrifice, but so I remember I, I was Juan Uribe, Juan Uribe was on first and I went up there to bunt, bunt him over to second. I bunted it right back to the pitcher and they forced him out at second. And so now I'm standing on first base after a failed sacrifice bunt attempt. And then I got to make up for it. So I steal second and get thrown out by 10 feet. <laughs> so now it's like the last five minutes of my life at that point were like the worst five minutes of somebody's life could imagine. So I get back in the dugout and you know, I'm like, man, this is not, this is, I, I want to dig a hole and climb in it. And, and I'm sitting down at the end of the bench and Griff walked over to me and he said, Hey, and he was like, don't, he, he said, don't let what just happened affect what's about to happen. And I remember, you know, that kind of sticking with me actually in the rest of my career was being able to like have a short memory. Um, you know, granted, you, you do something like that and it's like, I, the spot, I just felt like all eyes were on me, like, wow, what a disaster that was, you know? And and he really kind of put his arm around me and kind of put it in perspective. And he's like, hey, you still have, there's still, you know, four innings of this game to play. Um, you're going to get another at bat. And, like, you got to do something with it. So, so that kind of line, you know, don't let what just happened affect what's about to happen. That kind of always, always stuck with me throughout the, the rest of my career. Bob, do you have uh, anything you wanted to ask, Jerry? Yeah, Jerry, uh, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Really appreciate it. This has been uh, has been really fun for me. Uh, I, we've got uh, seven seven former Mustangs uh, playing in the minor leagues right now, and, and one of them, Connor Menez, just had that first experience, a first taste of the majors last year for the Giants, got a few starts. Uh, 
you've you've walked that road. What what advice would you give uh, to to guys coming out of masters, t- making that journey you know, as a baseball player, uh, but also, and you alluded to this uh, earlier, as a as a Christian, how to how to go from the environment at masters to the to an environment that is not like masters, and and to to represent Christ. So, kind of two prong question there. Yeah, um, well, you're. You're absolutely right. It's definitely not like masters. Um, and I think, you know, to, I, I would say to continue to build, and you know, talking about the, the second part of that question, continue to build a foundation um, because we have a really crappy human nature. And I think sometimes, you know, if you were to just put us on the earth and, and turn us on and let us go, you know, we obviously have a sinful nature and it's easy, especially when you're influenced by a lot of the people around you. Not that the people around you are like ill-willed or bad people necessarily um, by society's definition of bad, but they just, you know, they don't have the same beliefs as you as a believer and uh, they do other things and talk about other things and go other places and it's really easy when you're on the road and you feel by yourself to join in. Um, I would say just not, and not to not join, I'm not saying don't join in on that, but just make sure that you're continuing to build a, a Christ based foundation um, so that you have that rock to stand on when you are facing some of the adversity uh, that you're going to face. Um, I think, you know, it's, it's tough. I, I, there were instances in my career where, I was told not to pray on the field, mm. uh, you know, and, and so it wasn't like, Hey, just do your thing and we're going to do ours. It was, Hey, it was, Hey, don't do your thing, you know? And so that really, that really wore on me. And, uh, thankfully at the time I had some teammates that were believers and that had been through some of that kind of stuff before. And they were able to kind of advise me on like, Hey, you know, you kind of got to pick your battles. It's, it's tough. And, but that, that was tough. Cause it's like, Hey, I'm not, you know, I, I felt that I wasn't stepping on anybody's toes. I was off to the side by myself. I, I always like to take a knee before the game and, and say a prayer and then go play. And I was told not to do that anymore. And that was kind of the first time that I was like, I hate to sound dramatic, but it's almost like persecuted against, you know, like, hey, that's not okay. Um, and so just to have that foundation and, and to when it comes to Christianity and, and following Jesus, to be bold with it, but you have to pick your battles. Um, and there are times when like, right in that particular situation, I had to acquiesce and I started praying in the, in the clubhouse before the game. Uh, so I wasn't gonna, you know, do the whole take anything and, and create cause a scene. Um, but it, it was something that I you know, had to make a decision on doing. So I would tell those guys that are coming up to, to build that foundation, continue to be in the word, uh, because, it's, it is it is hard. The real world is tough. Uh, that that industry is tough. Um, there's a lot of temptation, and um, and there's also a lot of amazing things about it too. And so, um, you know, to go in with an open mind, but but also have that, you know, that armor of God on at all times because the enemy is out there and he will. And and that's not just baseball. That's everywhere. But uh, we're talking about baseball, and, and the enemy is definitely out there. And, and We'll try to get us if we're not if we're not prepared. Um, and then, well, I'm sorry. The first part of the question, oh, just from a even just a baseball perspective, just the the 
grinding it out in the minors to to try to ascend into you know, through through the different levels and into uh, into the show what what uh, what advice would you give the guys just even on the on that uh, track yeah um i would say embrace the failure cuz it's going to happen um expect it it's going to happen and one thing that i i had to learn kind of the hard way was you know i was fortunate to to have always have pretty good numbers um at masters i hit pretty good and in my first two years of pro ball i was i like led the team my team in hitting and so that third season my third full season of pro ball was the first time i i really you know played baseball and i got some advice from a guy named damian rolls um he was a veteran guy my first year in AAA in 2006 and he told me he said you haven't played this game until you failed at it and I never forgot that because he's like it's easy to have success and he says who are you when you're 0 for 50 you know right um, who are you when you know you you can't get anybody out as a pitcher um, like that's who you are as a baseball players and that those things are going to happen that's going to come so I would try to tell those guys like embrace the failure embrace the like you you said the perfect word bob grind that's exactly what it is it, it is a grind um a lot of people hear that you play professional baseball and they think you're a millionaire and fly on private planes everywhere you know <laughs> and it's like no that's probably like two percent of the league um the minor leagues is is tough and embrace all of it though because it's just the experience is something that it's, it's like no other experience you're going to have in your life um being with, with all your friends on the road, you know, these nine-hour bus trips, stopping at McDonald's at three in the morning in some podunk town in the, in the Midwest or the South somewhere. Um, those, are the, the, those were the best times that I had in my career um, because you're not the only one doing it. You know, there's 30 other guys doing it, and, you know, it, it's just you're, you're playing on the road in front of some fans that are, are super hostile and, you're looking around like, this is just a ball, man. Like what's the big league going to be like, you know? Um, and, but just to have fun with it and embrace it and enjoy, you know, I'm, I manage now within the Indians organization. And I talk to our players all the time about enjoying what they do um, because they are 1% of the world that gets to do what they do. And, you know, at the end of the day, I always ask my players, where would you rather be? You know, like this, this really stinks. Like you're, you're over for your last nine. Like, where would you rather be? And they usually can't tell me anywhere else, but where they're at. And so that kind of helps me keep it in perspective for them. You know, it's like, and that's what I would just try to tell some of the younger players is like, there's no, you're living the dream. Like you literally live in the dream and just enjoy it, man. Enjoy it. Soak it all up because it's going to go by fast. I was fortunate to play for 12 years total um with you know affiliated ball independent ball and i played in mexico and venezuela like it went by so fast like i said i'm i just turned well i turned 39 two months ago almost 40 i got three children and a wife and it just seems like yesterday that i was drafted and starting that process so um you know it, it goes by fast so make sure that they they enjoy it and soak it up and and embrace everything that they go through because it's only going to make them a better, stronger person at the end of it. That's great advice, Jerry. Thank you so much for that. It's good advice for anyone in any vocation, honestly. Uh, that question, you know, where else would you rather be is something I think we should always be asking ourselves. That's great. Um, 
I, I was going to ask you. You already met, talked about this briefly, but I got to ask because I was I looked was looking at your career stats, and obviously you, you I think thirty three stolen bases. But what really stuck out to me was that one home run. And I was I, I, you've already told us you hit it off of Roy Halladay, uh, but I I, I just got to ask what what was the pitch you hit, and and what was the situation, and 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 how I'm gonna I'm gonna break all the journalistic rules. How did it feel to hit that home run? <laughs> Um, well, I, I can still, I remember it like it was five minutes ago, man. Um, I, I can still see the pitch. I know that I can, I know the game, the situation. I know, uh, where it went. I, I, I remember, so we were, we were playing the Blue Jays. That's when Roy was with Toronto and he had a, I didn't know this till later, but he had, I guess he had like a 21 scoreless inning streak going to that point or something. So he'd been throwing the ball well the last few outings. And um, earlier in the game, he, I think he, I struck out my first at bat. And then my second at bat, I was able to get a hit, but I, he threw me a cutter that um, ended up, I think I might've hit it actually off my elbow. It was so far <laughs> inside, just barely got over the shortstop's head. Um and so then my, in the, so come up now, it's the seventh inning running on first base. And I, I just told myself, you know, just sit on that cutter again. Uh, Cause he, it was an effective pitch for him last time. And, and also as a left-handed hitter, I like to, when there's a runner on first and the first baseman's holding the runner on, there's always a bigger hole on that side of the field. So I was thinking to myself, look for that cutter in and just try to hit a hard ground ball through that hole. Um, and he threw it for the first pitch of the at-bat. He, he threw me that cutter, and I tried to hit a hard ground ball through the hole, and I, I got some air on it. And it, it, the, I think the right down the right field line in, at the White Sox field in Chicago was 335. I think I hit it 335 and a half. <laughs> um, this thing, like, skimmed the top of the wall, like, right around the foul pole. Like, it, it was just one of those things that <laughs> – I hit it and you know, I'm sprinting out of the box. I'm thinking it's going to like fall in and it ends up going over the fence, man. And I was just like, I remember running around the bases. Like I was floating. Like it was just, I just couldn't believe it. Cause I've never hit a home run in my life that I tried to hit, you know, like I've never gone up to the plate and like, I'm going to hit a home run now and done it. Um, and uh, it was a, my third base coach that year in Chicago was my manager in the minor leagues the two years before that. Um, so we had kind of like a special relationship. And I remember coming around second base and he's looking at me with this huge smile on his face <laughs> and like, like, do you realize what you just did? Like, <laughs> you know, and, and, uh, and I'll never forget that, man. Like, like I said, I feel like it happened five minutes ago. I could still see every, every little, little aspect of it. And, and it was cool. We ended up, I was the seventh inning. We ended up winning that game two to nothing. And, um, you know, I, if I only hit one, uh, but it, it was a cool one. And, um, it was off a guy that I, that I have, have, have a ton of respect for, uh, you know, Roy Halladay, this guy was an imposing figure on the mound and threw like nine different pitches all for strikes and pretty much had his way with, with hitters over his career. And, um, it was, uh, it was an honor for me to be in that game and facing him, let alone, you know, getting two hits off him and one of them being my, my only big league home run. So, so Jerry, you mentioned, you know, that you're coaching now, obviously with the Cleveland Indians organization, you started out uh, as the AAA bench coach there. And now in the last couple seasons, um, and hopefully we're going to get some baseball this year, uh, coaching, uh, managing their rookie 
level team. What made you want to get into coaching? Um, you know, I, I just, when I had originally decided to switch back to baseball, um, I remember like that first year at Masters, I was like, this, I love this so much. Like, I just love little things like playing catch, you know, on the grass and taking batting practice and taking fungos and being around the guys. And, and so my whole career, um, I just, that was my favorite part of it. That was the favorite part of my favorite part of my career was the camaraderie and being around the fellas. And like I talked about earlier, being on the road and on that grind, and like that was the best part. And so uh, when I, I was playing in Mexico in 2016 um, and kind of had been kicking around the idea of retirement for a, probably a full year before I actually retired, but was trying to kind of hang on and kind of praying about it. Didn't really know. The Lord kept opening doors for me as a player, so I was like, well, I guess, Lord, you want me to keep going, so keep going, and um, when I decided to retire, and I remember that last year, I played, last two years I played or so, I'd, I'd be in the outfield kind of like thinking along the lines of a manager, like, you know, what would I do in this situation, uh, who would I bring in to face this guy, um, you know, lineup creation, all that stuff is just something that really fascinates me, so as I, as I decided to like wind my career down and decided to retire, I have a, a really good friend of mine who I've known for forever. He, he's a coach with the Indians and he had been with the Indians for about a year. And I remember him telling me, he's like, Hey, when you retire, if you want to get into coaching, um, you know, let me know. And I'll, I'll put in a good word for you with the Indians. And so um, I'm, you know, praying about what the Lord, what the next step would be in my career. And if he wanted me to stay in baseball, first of all, and if so, what, at what level, at the pro level, at the college level, at the high school level. Um, and so I was thinking more about the college route uh, initially. And um, I was talking to my mom about it. And she goes, why would you want to coach in college? It's like, well, you know, the guys are more like impressionable and pro ball. It's like, you know, there's, there's just, they, they all, they're a bunch of know-it-alls. They think they know everything already, you know, the whole deal. And, um, she goes, Jerry, you've been playing professional baseball for the last 12 years. She's like, that's where you, that's what you know. Um, and, you know, the more I thought about it and prayed about it, you know, I, I decided to, to put my name in the hat with the Indians and, and see what pro ball was all about. And, I mean, it was the only, the only team I interviewed with. Um, I remember I interviewed around Thanksgiving of 2016. So, like, I literally retired, and then two weeks later, I started the interview process to be a coach. Uh and interviewed around Thanksgiving uh, for about a week and then didn't hear anything for about a month. And I thought that I failed the test. Um, and then right around Christmas, they, they, uh, they called me and offered me a job. And so um, I, I could not have, I couldn't have asked God for a, a more perfect opportunity than the one that he, he gave me with the Indians. Um, it just, my mom was right. Pro ball is where I feel like I belong. And, um, you know, having, being around the game still, I always tell people this. I say I love coaching because it allows me to be around the game that I love and I don't have to worry about getting hits. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty incredible. Um, I, I, I am able to be around, you know, the first year, like you said, I was in AAA and that was a, a perfect transition for me because I had just finished playing. Uh, the year before and kind of was around that triple a level group of guys so that was kind of a nice smooth transition and then they asked me if i'd be interested in managing and 
I said, absolutely. And um, so then I got to the last year that managed the rookie ball team, as you mentioned, that's a completely different dynamic of player. Uh, we're, we're talking about 17 and 18 year old, mostly kids from the Dominican Republic um, with some American kids and draft kids sprinkled in. Um, but, you know, again, the journey, man, like sometimes we look back and it's like, God, like took me through all that for, for what, you know, like, why, why are, am I going through this now? Or why did I go through this, go through that in the past? And I mean, I got to play in Mexico for four years and Venezuela for one. And, and now most of my team is Spanish speaking. And so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm able to communicate with them and, you know, it's just like, it's just crazy how the Lord ties all these things together perfectly. It's like, you know, like I'm playing in Mexico, like, I mean, it's fun, it's great, I can make some money, but like, what's the purpose? And then he's like, well, because in, in four years, you're going to have a team that's all Spanish speaking, and I need you to be able to communicate with them. <laughs> and so it's, it's, um, it's just an amazing, an incredible blessing for me to, to be a part of the Indians organization and being able to do what I do. And um, I, I, I'm hoping, man, I'm with you. I hope we get to play this year. Uh, you know, one day I think that there's light at the end of the tunnel, and the next day I read an article that shoots all my hopes and dreams down. So, I mean, <laughs> I don't. I, I just I'm praying that that things will work out, you know, in a safe and, and healthy manner. And uh, you know, I, I think that our country and the world needs baseball. Um, and it's we don't really know what we're missing until we don't have it. And I feel like a lot of people are starting to see that even with not just baseball, but all sports. It's like, you don't really, we take it for granted, you know, and, but it does to us as, as human beings and a society and a, and a people. And um, I'm, I'm praying that this stuff gets worked out so that we can get back on the field. Jerry, what, what would be the long-term goal with coaching i mean is it would your dream be to, to manage at the majors or what, what what's kind of your dream or goal with with this you know um my to, i'll be honest my goal and dream is to be smack dab in the middle of god's will and if that means managing in the major leagues if that's where he wants me uh then that would be awesome um if he wants me to stay at rookie ball for 20 years i i just want to bring i just want to glorify him man and I, I, when I think about it, that question, when I think about where I want to be, um, you know, obviously there's financial perks to the major leagues and different things like that, but I know, and the Lord has shown me time and time again, that he's going to provide. And so whether that's at the major league level, um, or at the rookie ball level, you know, I just want to be where he wants me to be. And I want to be in a place where I can impact, um, young men, um, in a way that honors him. And so uh, wherever he feels that I would fit best in his kingdom outlook is, is where I want to be. Um, and uh, I, the coolest part about that is that like, all I got to do is keep going every day and just try to be the best follower of him that I can be. And, and the best leader for my family, my wife, and my daughters and, and I know that wherever I end up is exactly where he wants me. So, um, you know, and if that's in the major leagues, that's awesome. And if that's here in Arizona for 20 years, then that's, then that's awesome too. Um, I just want to try to take it one step at a time. I'm still learning a ton. I'm, I'm going to be learning a ton and, until, until I pass away. So um, I'm just trying to learn as much as I can and, and uh, about the game 
And I've been put around some amazing people in this organization that know a ton. There's a lot of years of baseball experience around me and uh, just trying to pick their brains and, and learn from my own experience. Um, I'm having a blast. So, uh, again, I, you know, I think back when I was 15 years old and you said, right, if you had told me to write my story, it would look a lot different than than the way it is now. Um, but again, I, I don't know if the story I would have written would have been the best thing for me. So I'm a very appreciative of the journey that I've taken and, and where the Lord has me sitting today. And so you mentioned you're, so you're living in, in Phoenix with your wife, Kirsten and, and three daughters. What, what is a day, you know, obviously all of us are kind of stuck at home at this point. What, what, yeah. is, what is a day at, at home look like for the Owens family right now? Oh man. So well, and so the thing that stinks about this is it's starting to get hot now. And it's like, oh, so it's, you know, obviously my, my nine-year-old, she's going crazy uh, because like, she's used to being in school all day and seeing her friends. And so there's only so much, I mean, she's, thank goodness the school has given us like work for her to do, but it takes her about, you know, an hour to do it. So she gets done and then she's like, okay, now what? And it's like, I don't know, you can read or draw. And so we have uh, like a three-week-old daughter. I have a three-week-old daughter. And her name is Jordan. She's eating and sleeping and uh, all the time and then and crying. And then uh, our one-and-a-half-year-old, she's a little trooper. She's learning how to have a little sister and kind of what that, what that entails. Um She's awesome. She, she's super independent for only being one and a half. So like even she's got toys and she goes in the backyard and runs around. And then, uh, but we're pretty much just trying to, we're, it's like a improv every day. It's like, okay, what now? You know, like we kind of have a little bit of a schedule, obviously an eating schedule and things like that, but um, it's tough. We're kind of at the mercy of the three week old, you know, it's like when she wants to eat, my wife obviously has to take care of that. And then, um, you know, when she's sleeping, everyone has to be like more quiet. And so it's like, she's running the show and she doesn't even know it yet. Um, but yeah, we're just trying to make the most of our days, man. We're just trying to, uh, trying to, I'm trying to really soak in this family time. Um, and I guess that kind of reminds me one thing when you were asking me, Bob, about, uh, you know, advice I'd give to players when, when you, when you're with your families, like soak it in, mm. Soak it in because you're you're as a player in this game you're not going to have a ton of time when you're on season you're really on season so um, you know just try to soak in as much time with you as you have whether you're married with your wife and you have children or whether it's your if you're not if you're single and you're you're at your parents or you see your parents a lot like soak in that time because um, you know the days get long once the season starts I mean spring training you're going from February to September, October. And so um, it's it's a grind of a season. So uh, that's what I'm trying to do right now is just trying to really take advantage of this time that we have all together um, all day. Because once the season starts up again, uh, you know, then I'm at the field for 12 hours every day. So um, just trying to soak in that, that family time. And Jerry, you said you said at the beginning that you know you go to UCLA and you're playing football there, and you you know that's maybe starting to come to an end, and you're just praying, you know, Lord, why would you bring me here? You, 
for it basically, you know, not to work out. And where, where does it go from here? And you said you didn't get that answer till 20 years later. What, mm-hmm. what maybe was that answer? That answer was, I'm, I'm bringing you here to show you what hard work looks like. Um, to show you that, hey, you're not the best player anymore. How, ba- how bad do you want to be the best player? Um, and that was, that was the biggest, that was the biggest thing for me. Uh, and I guess I get, I got that answer kind of earlier than 20 years. I got that answer, um, you know, pretty quickly when I got there, but 20 years later, looking at it, um, the, the, one of the, one of the biggest things that I've learned in, in my career was it never goes as planned. Hmm. it never goes how how i thought it was going to go um and the the lord is doing so many things behind the scenes that we don't always see and and i'm like a i'm a i'm a thinker i'm always trying to figure it out i'm always trying to okay what are you doing lord like okay you allowed this to happen okay that's happening so like what are you doing and i feel like he's up there with his arms folded looking down at me laughing like (laughs) Don't, don't you, you have no idea. Don't even try to figure it out, you know? And mm-hmm. so that's probably the, the, the biggest thing is that, you know, one, one of the things that I've learned is that my life is not mine, it's his. And so he's going to use me how he feels that I can best bring glory to him and his kingdom. So if I have to go through some struggles and some adversity and some failure, it's not poor me it's okay. Like you're doing something, Lord. One of my favorite things to think about is when I, when it doesn't make sense to me, that's when I know the Lord is working the most. Mm-hmm. When, when something doesn't add up uh, for my human brain and I'm like, all right, cool. That's awesome. Because now I know the Lord's working. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, yeah, I would, I would just say like our journey is his, it's not ours. And so, be, I used to pray all the time, like, Lord, give, you know, make me willing to go through whatever I need to go through to bring you glory. And that's a really hard thing to do. I I didn't always have success at that. (laughs) Um, There was a lot of times where I was like, I don't want to go through this anymore. Like, I'm good. Like, and uh, I, I think looking back, it's just, again, if I had, you asked me to draw my career when I was 15, I would have said, I'm going to play in the NFL. And I'm going to make a hundred million dollars and retire and coach high school basketball for free. Like that was what I wanted to do. And, and that was my story. That was my plan. And the Lord was like, yeah, I have another plan. Um, no. And so everything that I experienced up to this point in my life, um, you know, was, was, and is for a purpose. And I've been blessed to get, answers a lot of people go through life and don't get any until they stand before him um and i've been blessed to have to get answers as to to the the questions of why that i've had in the past and um just so grateful again to be standing where i am today and, and having gone the route that i've gone all the things that i've experienced uh, the ups and the downs and the trying times and the amazing times and it's like one thing that the Lord continues to show me is that it's all for a, a purpose and it's a purpose that we don't always see clearly. So but just continue to have that faith and continue to, um, you know, trust in the fact that 
that he's in control and that his, his, I guess, the things we read in the Bible aren't suggestions. They're not like, oh, I hope that happens. Those are their promises. Um, and that's one thing that I really clung to is like, you know what, Lord, I don't understand what's going on right now. It's really hard. It really stinks. Um, but I know that Romans 8, 28, you know, mm-hmm. um, I know that he's taking care of us. And even through this time, man, like this crazy time with, with me not, not working and, you know, just having three children and a wife and my wife isn't working. And it's like, what's going to happen? Like financially, you know, there's all these questions and no matter what happens, I know that the Lord is going to provide for us, even if, you know, and that might not even be monetarily. It might be in our spirit. He's going to give us peace. You know, he's going to give us joy. He's going to give us hope through the times where we feel like we don't have anything. So, um, you know, that's, that's something that, I've that he's shown me over the years and used the game of baseball to do that. And I'm super grateful. Well, I don't know about you, Bob, but I am encouraged. So I, uh, that, uh, that is all the questions that I have. Um, Bob, I, is there anything else? You no, want to add? I don't have anything else to add except to, except to, uh, another thank you to you, Jerry. This was, this was, uh, so encouraging to hear and, and also just a lot of fun. Uh, so I want to thank you for joining us and, and, and brother, congratulations on your growing family and, and the addition of your daughter. And, uh, we, we hope and pray you guys stay well and healthy out there. And, uh, and we'll be looking forward along with you for the start of baseball season. I, I, I miss it dearly. And, and, uh, as, as all, everyone in my family does, and, and we're excited to, to see the guys get back out on the field soon. Yes. Um, guys thank you it was such a pleasure to be on and i uh i really appreciate um you guys having me and it was a it was an honor and a blessing to be able to talk to you guys and hang out for a little while um i appreciate you doing it and i and i'm with you bob missing it like missing baseball like crazy i think we'll be back i think they're you know my again here's me trying to figure it out but i think <laughs> we uh i think we'll be back this year at some point it's a matter of when and where but um yeah, I think there will be baseball played in 2020. So I'm uh, looking forward to that. But again, guys, thank you so much for having me on. I really, really appreciate it. It's been our, our course. Yeah, it's been our pleasure, brother. You take care. Okay. You guys too. God bless you.